TechBiter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 756 for the 13th of August, 2021. This week, spams and scams have been with us virtually from when the internet became available to the general public, but the threats are more severe than they've ever been, and finding a way to reduce the volume has never been more important. It short circuits like The Man Who Wasn't There, the 1983 film, not the 2001 motion picture of the same name. It is difficult to protect against something you can't detect, and that is a real threat on the internet. The Windows Power Toys app was introduced with Windows 95. It became dormant for more than a decade, and it's now back with some useful features for Windows 10. In spare parts, only on the website, Windows 11 might be released in October. Or not. Bleeping Computer tries to read the tea leaves in Microsoft Messages. If you ever need to find your Windows product key, and you can't locate the documentation or a label, there is an easy way to ask the computer for it. And 20 years ago, high-speed internet without wires wasn't really high-speed by today's standards. Metricom's Ricochet service was one of the first to try, but it never really got off the ground. was bad enough when we had to deal with just plain old spam, but junk email that just tried to sell us products or services seems so innocent compared to the dreck that comes our way these days. Now we have to deal with phony messages from banks, some of which look quite realistic, or with equally realistic looking messages from Amazon, eBay, every delivery service under the sun, airlines, and even scammers trying to impersonate government agencies. If you have access to the server that receives your messages, there may be some options to reduce clutter there. If not, there's an application that offers protection on your computer. I've used MailWasher Pro for nearly a decade because it gives me a way to delete spam before my email application downloads it. There are two versions of the program. The free version can access only a single email account and does not contain a Bayesian learning filter. The pro version can access multiple accounts, enables a learning feature, and has some additional capabilities. I like this approach because I can quickly review a list of all of the messages on the server and decide whether or not I want the email application to retrieve them. I subscribe to several newspapers and other news organizations that send email updates. I have whitelisted their domains, but it's rare for me to want to read the email update, so I can mark the messages for deletion without ever seeing them. Every afternoon, I also receive a dozen or so messages from GoodSync to confirm daily local backups have run. With luck, every message will contain, in parentheses, if blank, comma, no errors. So if I see that, then I don't need to download those messages either. I want to see only the ones that indicate there was a problem. And GoodSync is actually so good that so far I have never seen a message that indicated a problem. 
MailWasher Pro also marks for deletion messages from any sender or domain that I've blacklisted, from dodgy sites known to blacklist organizations, and to those that it considers to be spam based on an analysis of the message. Spending just a few moments reviewing messages on the server lets me trim the number of messages to be downloaded from dozens to just a few, and sometimes none. One of MailWasher Pro's most impressive features is its ability to rate messages based on numerous conditions. These can be plain text rules, or for those willing to spend a bit of time to learn about regular expressions, they can be complex and powerful rules. When MailWasher Pro washes your email, it deletes spam, but not really. Deleted messages remain available for a while so that you can recover the message if it's one you want to see. To do this, you open MailWasher's Recycle Bin tab to display all deleted messages, then use the search window to find the message you want to keep. Click the deleted message you want to restore, click the Restore button, and the message will be returned to your inbox and made available to your email application. Any number of email accounts can be checked in the Pro version. I have set up five accounts. You can specify whitelists. Those are messages that will be considered good regardless of their content. And blacklists. Those are messages that will always be considered spam. One of my filters marks for deletion any message received from one of several top-level domains. Top-level domains include com, org, and gov. In recent years, a small boatload of new top-level domains have been established, and many of those seem to have attracted spammers and scammers. On the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see a list of top-level domains that I consider questionable at best and mark all messages from them potentially for deletion. These include .buzz, .click, .club, .icu, .loan, .men, .vip, .top, .site, and .xyz, and there are several more. The two most common sources of spam that I see are from the ICU and XYZ top-level domains. I have never received a valid message from any sender using either of those top-level domains. I have not received any messages actually for most of those top-level domains, so I just consider them suspect until they prove themselves otherwise. MailWasher will mark messages from each of the domains as spam, but I have the opportunity to review the subject line and, if needed, the text of the message before downloading it. Several anti-spam resources provide lists of the most questionable top-level domains. These include Spamhouse, PC World, and Krebs on Security. You'll find links to all three on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Those who receive mail through their own domain, such as TechBiter.com, and have access either to the server's control panel or secure shell, have additional options. The most common control panel for servers is called cPanel. The exact configuration varies between hosting services, but cPanel's email section will probably have an item labeled Filters or Spam Assassin. Enabling Spam Assassin allows the server to mark new email messages with a calculated spam score, and when that score meets or exceeds the spam threshold score, the message will be marked as spam and placed in a separate spam folder for you to review. 
You can also have the server automatically delete messages that have been identified as spam. That can be dangerous. The default spam rating is 7. It's possible to modify the rating system to make it tighter if you want, or looser. The more useful areas for many is the whitelist and blacklist sections. Addresses added to the whitelist section will never be marked as spam, and addresses added to the blacklist will always be marked as spam. Users can modify the whitelist and blacklist sections either with the web interface or for those who have secure shell access to the server by directly editing the user underscore prefs file, which is found in the .spamassassin subdirectory of the user's home directory. Adding an individual item to the whitelist or blacklist is usually faster with the web interface, but secure shell access that allows direct editing of the user prefs file is faster when you add multiple items to either list. Spam Assassin is from Apache, and you'll find the full documentation on their website. There's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Even though I do have full access to the server, I prefer to have MailWasher examine my mail. My primary reason for this is that Spam Assassin will either place suspected spams in a special location that I would need to check, or automatically delete messages deemed to be spam. Placing suspected spams in a separate location is cumbersome, and automatic deletions are dangerous. A simple mistake in a listing or a filter could accidentally delete an important message. We'll probably never rid ourselves of spam, but MailWasher can at least reduce the annoyances. So the bottom line is five cats for MailWasher. Keep the mailbox clean with this program. MailWasher is free, but it has limitations. The pro version costs $50 a year, commonly discounted to about $38, and it can be installed on up to three computers. Users of the pro version also receive quick and competent support if and when they need it. You'll find additional details on the FireTrust website, and of course there is a link to the FireTrust website from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, you can't detect malware that isn't there. Criminals have found a new way to make everybody's online life just a little bit harder. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate that. Now they can deliver malware in a way that makes it invisible to protective applications. When your computer connects to a malicious website, the computer's antivirus application analyzes what's being sent to the computer. At the enterprise level, most organizations have applications that analyze inbound and outbound traffic to identify malware. But what if the malware isn't there? That's exactly the challenge that's being thrown at us right now. 
Modern websites send a lot more to your computer than just basic text, and HTML5 is a lot more capable than the original HTML developed by Tim Berners-Lee in 1989 at CERN, the European Organization for Nuclear Research. Visit a website now and you'll receive complex HTML code that can be manipulated by the browser, JavaScript code that will be interpreted by the browser, and a variety of graphics files. When malware is hidden, applications that analyze the code concludes there's nothing to see, nothing to be concerned about. Just move along, folks. Nothing to see here. But cybersecurity company Menlo Labs says malware can be smuggled into your computer in pieces that appear to be harmless, then assembled on the computer to stage an attack. The HTML5 download attribute can pull down a seemingly legitimate file, or several files, along with a group of JavaScript components, each of which appears non-threatening. Menlo Labs says the browser became the place where work happens starting in 2020, when companies told employees to work from home to avoid the COVID pandemic. But that only worsened an already hazardous situation. The Menlo Labs report says that business users reported spending 75% of their workday either working in a web browser or attending virtual meetings, even before the pandemic. HTML smuggling delivers malware by effectively bypassing various network security solutions, including sandboxes, legacy proxies, and firewalls. The malware is delivered to and assembled on the weakest part of a well-defended business system because there are no solutions to block malware that can't be seen. If you'd like to read the full report, visit the Menlo Security website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. The Microsoft Power Toys app has been around since Windows 95. Starting with Vista, there were no changes for more than a decade, but a new iteration adds some useful features that may eventually be incorporated into Windows. Power Toys for Windows 95 offered 15 tools for power users. These included Tweak UI that allowed users to modify settings that were otherwise only accessible by directly modifying the Windows registry. There were other tools that opened cabinet files, those are installer files used by Microsoft, just like standard files, added a command prompt here to context menus in the Windows Explorer, and allowed users to play audio CDs from the taskbar. PowerToys wasn't updated starting with Vista, and it remained dormant for a dozen years until it was dusted off, updated, and released for Windows 10 users. It is definitely not your father's power toys, to paraphrase an automobile commercial, that you might be old enough to remember. If not, it's unimportant, but I offer you this reference anyway. You'll find a link to Not Your Father's Oldsmobile. Follow that link and you will find an article about that ancient ad, which was 20 years old when the article was written 13 years ago. Well, anyway, the latest version of Power Toys omits most of the functions that were included in the Windows 95 version, either because they have been incorporated into the operating system or are no longer needed. An option allows Power Toys version 0.43 to start when Windows starts. That's important because many of the features are available only when the app is running. 
So what's included? Well, there are eight options in there. Awake is handy when you're running an application that needs no input from you. A backup job is a good example of this. The computer can go to sleep or hibernate if it receives no user input, and that would be a problem for a backup job. Enabling awake mode ensures that the computer will not doze off at an inappropriate time. Color Picker adds a tool for identifying colors and providing their hex or RGB values. There are plenty of free tools that already perform that function, but having it built into Power Toys means it's always handy. Fancy Zones adds a window manager and a series of templates so that users can create complex arrangements on the screen. Users can also create their own custom layouts. Microsoft offers detailed documentation for using Fancy Zones, and I provided a link to that documentation. File Explorer SVG Preview adds support for scalable vector graphics images to the File Explorer. SVG files are still less common than JPEG files, but they are being used more frequently because all browsers now support the format, they are relatively small, and they are scalable. It also allows previewing markdown files that are used by software developers. Image Resizer adds a context menu to File Explorer for quick and easy resizing of images. Instead of overwriting the images, the Resizer automatically adds size information to the name and saves it to the same location by default. There are lots of things you can change in there. Keyboard Manager fixes a long-standing frustration for those who want to modify how the keyboard reacts to certain key presses. Until now, these changes had to be made with tedious and sometimes dangerous registry edits. Keyboard Manager doesn't modify the registry. Instead, it acts as an interpreter. This is a feature that few people will use, but it's one that those who do need it will appreciate greatly. Power Rename is far less powerful than my preferred file renamer, Bulk Rename Utility, but it has a simple and easy-to-understand interface. It even offers support for regular expressions, so it may be adequate even for advanced users. And Power Toys Run is a quick launch utility that will remind Mac users of Spotlight and Mac OS. It can be used to find folders, files, and applications. And there's a shortcut guide that adds a full-screen overlay displaying the primary Windows shortcut keys. The default used to display this screen is the Windows key Shift and the forward slash, but you can change that if you want to. If you'd like to give the new Power Toys a try, the version 0.41.4 can be downloaded from Microsoft's GitHub account. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Keep in mind, this app is essentially in beta currently, so new versions are released frequently, and you will encounter bugs. Speaking of bugs, to the best of my knowledge, Spare Parts has none. Check it out for yourself on the TechBiter Worldwide website. This week, you'll find these articles. Windows 11 might be released in October. Or not. Bleeping Computer tries to read the tea leaves in Microsoft messages. If you ever need to find your Windows product key and you can't locate the documentation or a label, there's an easy way to ask the computer for it. And 20 years ago, high-speed internet without wires wasn't exactly high-speed by today's standards. Metricom's Ricochet service was one of the first to try. 
but it never really got off the ground. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.